The future of health coaching. Opportunity, action, impact. Brought to you by Teleosis Institute, coaching and narrative healing. Welcome to the Future of Health Coaching Summit. I'm Joel Kreisberg, and I'm pleased to invite or introduce today Michael Arlowski. Michael, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Joel. Glad to be here. Michael is a licensed psychologist, a professional certified coach, and a certified wellness practitioner. He's the founder and CEO of Real Balance Global Wellness Services, and he's the author of Wellness Coaching for Life, Lasting Lifestyle Change. I'm excited to have a, a conversation about advancing the craft of health and wellness coaching and really seeing how we can push this forward. So welcome to the show, Michael. Yeah, I'm very glad to be here, Joel. And uh, I think, you know, a good conversation about where, where, where we can really take wellness coaching is uh, really timely. Yeah, so I think, of course, in order to go to, 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 to where we go, and we have to kind of get to how we got here. So I want to know a little bit <laughs> yeah. about your coaching work. I mean, I know you're a psychologist, but you became a coach and a certified wellness practitioner. So tell, tell us a little bit about how you got here. Yeah, the, uh, the evolution um, spans actually quite a bit of time. I got involved in the wellness field very, very early on. Um, I think it was like the third wellness conference, uh, annual conference that I went to back in 1979. So I got very involved uh, then. At that time, I was helping to bring uh, wellness programming to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, where I worked as a psychologist in the counseling center. And I got very involved in that field, very fascinated by it, because it was a really good fit with the humanistic psychology orientation that I had and the whole mind-body connection and so forth that I was very interested in. Um, my interest in that continued as I developed a lot of expertise in um, stress and stress-related disorders, uh, uh, biofeedback, and behavioral health. I even got into being the president of the Ohio Society for Behavioral Health and Biofeedback. Mm -hmm. But um, in the mid-1990s, I really got turned on to coaching. And again, I was kind of an early adopter. I got in on uh, um, training with Coaches Training Institute starting in 1996, and, um, which is pretty early because the ICF, the International Coach Federation, was only founded in 1995. And it just seemed like a real natural fit to bring what I knew from the wellness field and, of course, what I knew as a psychologist about behavior and, and motivation and everything and bring it in with uh, what uh, I have been learning about coaching, life coaching, and um, really saw that why couldn't there be a wellness coaching field, really? Mm -hmm. um, at that time, a few organizations like insurance companies were doing disease management type work where they were, you know, calling up people and uh, helping them be more medically compliant. But that was about it in those days. So I started training people in how to really coach people to work to, on their lifestyle improvement. Because up to that point, about all we were doing was taking health risk assessments and having a one-shot interpretation session with somebody, telling them to go out the door, setting a bunch of goals, and waving goodbye to them. Right. <laughs> and... As we know, uh, behavior change doesn't result a whole lot from just that in education. Mm -hmm. 
So it was really fun uh, kind of pulling it all together and, um, you know, developing real balance, global wellness services. And well, that's so, what, so, so, so that's when you, you created real balance, global wellness services. And that's a company that trains coaches. It does more than that. Right. I imagine that besides training, yeah. coaches, but that's a key and they're wellness coaches. So tell us a little bit about the, the training and what you created with real balance. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I really saw the need to really integrate what we know from the whole field of health promotion and wellness in with this really effective communication style, this really effective way to help people get to the point where they really want to, 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 to achieve um, to the destination they're really shooting for. And in the case of people's health and wellness, uh, we had already discovered how behavioral health really is, mm -hmm. uh, especially, you know, as a psychologist and behavioral health expert, I, I knew that. And others, of course, as well, you know, we're onto this. So in the training, what we did is we really developed a, a methodology to help people um, be allies to others. Mm -hmm. um, where is a very client-centered approach, very much in line with uh, what coaching is and all the competencies of the ICF. Mm -hmm. We kind of built it around those competencies but really developed a methodology that kind of sets us apart from other training programs where I like to say there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. We don't just teach people a lot of theories, teach them a bunch of skills, and tell them to go out and do goal setting and accountability. There's really a whole process that we've developed. And what I discovered um, as, you know, we trained over 6,000 people worldwide, and I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of recordings, mm -hmm. I started to discover what coaches really, even though they go through a, a good training, and a lot of our coaches have been through training with other schools as well, what they're still missing, what they're still not quite getting. Okay. Well, and I mm -hmm. want to know. So there, I'm sure, mm -hmm. so let's pick that apart. What are, the, yeah. what, what are you learning? Tell us about them. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really been interesting because part of it is the use of really basic coaching skills, the active listening skills that we all talk about, mm -hmm. how to work with questions uh, more effectively, uh, and, and processes that seem to work and just don't seem to work. Mm -hmm. um, for example, uh, one of the, uh, a couple of different times I've seen this on recordings where coaches that have had additional coach training, uh, maybe from a, a regular ACTP, ICF accredited school, um, start to think, oh, well, I really know how to coach now. So I'm going to, oh, not bother with that, that paraphrasing stuff. You know, that's for rookies. That's for beginners, right? So yeah. they hardly ever paraphrase. Mm -hmm. And what starts to happen is their clients ramble. Uh-huh. Okay. Their clients kind of, you know, keep expanding their, their uh, search, they keep expanding their exploration. Instead, mm -hmm. what paraphrasing can do is help people to synthesize it down because right. you're paraphrasing the essence of what someone has just said. Mm -hmm. So every time you're helping yeah. them clarify. Yeah, I was going to say clarify. You just said it for me. So that process of paraphrasing, paraphrasing is asking the client to, to bring clarity and, and distinction. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So, that's so over time, you see that sort of falls away. So this is almost a foundational skill that falls away. Yeah, all too often, I think. And yet, well, I think what happens, <laughs> it's kind of the allure, the seduction of powerful questions. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we got to quit calling our work with questions, powerful questions. Yeah, interesting. They're, they're not always powerful. No. And we ascribe way too much power to them when we call them that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it almost seems like powerful questions comes from, I mean, the, the, from the language of executive coaching. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. but we're, we're, we're health and wellness. And yeah. it's, I always, sometimes I want to call them insightful questions or distinguished yeah. questions. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. A, it's a different, different kind of energy. Exactly. Um, I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so by watching, you know, so you're training coaches and you're also seeing them over time. You're seeing that in a way there, there's still, still stuff that can be learned. Oh yeah. Well, see, one of the things I do is I teach, uh, I teach our, some of our live trainings, but I also teach our advanced uh, health and wellness coaching uh, course. Mm -hmm. And that's for people that have already been through the basics and we tend to attract really what we call pretty high-end coaches who are uh, pretty well-trained. They often have pretty uh, solid uh, backgrounds in health, wellness, and medicine, and uh, are pretty skilled to begin with. In the advanced class, we really give them the chance to practice during about half of the class, live feedback on their coaching. So we're really able to help them identify where they need to improve. And that's a real key. Well, no, that sounds like, but, but well, what's key there is they're getting a lot of feedback. They're, right. they're, they're being vulnerable. You're watching them. Yeah. This is where supervision and mentorship really comes in. Absolutely. In more advanced training. And yes. Often in the early training, there isn't as much time. Right. You're still offering technique. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, so yeah. your advanced training is, sounds like it's got a lot of that built in. Yeah. And I'd say the other thing is, um, the coaching mindset is something that people don't just say, okay, you know, on, um, you know, April 5th, 2016, I made the mindset shift. And now I think like a coach, uh, everybody, everybody keeps going back to their default setting, you know, as educator, treatment expert, um, you know, they just want to keep slipping back into that. And it's so important to be a coach. Mm -hmm. and stick with it. So how does someone, so I'm curious, so that, that brings up, so being a coach, how do I continue my being a coach? I mean, are there mm -hmm. things that you recommend someone to, to as an ongoing basis to yeah. maintain their coach identity? I think one of the be best things is record sessions and mm -hmm. study them. Mm -hmm. And if you can get mentorship, get, you know, uh, supervision, get work with people on it, but uh, check your language. Mm -hmm. Like um, one highly trained coach that I've been mentoring uh, recently, mentoring toward her ICF credential, uh, was saying to clients, I want you to, I need you to, instead of saying to the client, would it be a value to you to right. do this? Yeah, offer it, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. so different. What a very different world it is when you hear it that way. You know, it's a great, brilliant idea. I mean, we're watching, we're, we're recording this on an easy technology. So recording your sessions isn't that hard anymore. Oh, it's so easy. Uh, it's a fabulous I, way of learning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. there's all these uh, devices, uh, you know, just even a phone uh, has a capability, uh, incredible microphones on these little things. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Very cool. And, and at the same time, mentoring, having a mentor is key. So, I mean, now at this stage, ICF asks for, for, for regular commitments to, mm -hmm. to mentoring, mm -hmm. but they also have it at the next stage to go from ACC to mm -hmm. From associate coach to professional coach, but I think in an ongoing basis, having you know having someone to work with and to give you feedback yeah. seems to be key, you know, or a key way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it helps illuminate your blind spots. Mm -hmm. uh, I just wrote a blog on uh, coaching linguistics mm -hmm. and all the ways that we, um, you know, fill in space with what are called placeholders. Mm -hmm. um, where we are trying to think of the next thing to say. So we kind of drag out a word and, you know, there's all these little um, things that we do where, like, for example, uh, the word, okay. I've had a lot of our students say, okay, almost habitually, almost reflexively after every client statement. Now, one of the things that that does is if you have a really talkative client, it's like squirting gasoline on the fire. Yeah, interesting, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's this real quick acknowledgement that says, I'm listening, I'm with you, keep on going. Right. And the problem with that is it starts to shift the entire session from being a coaching session into being a consulting session. Mm, interesting. So tell me, so break that, consulting means what? How would you describe consulting as different? Yeah, okay. So if I'm being listened to by you and you're listening really well and you're saying, okay, okay, then I get in the mode of, okay, I've got to provide Joel with a tremendous amount of information about this so he can analyze it and make recommendations to me. Mm -hmm. That's what consultants do. Right. Right. And, and if you and I have a consulting agreement, that's cool. Right. That's but if we're point. supposed to be coaching, we're supposed to be having a conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's different. That's a two, that's a two way thing. No, I thank you. That's really helps. So it's not just gathering more information. So very right. often, you know, coaches, you know, at, there's a stage where I just want to get more from the, encourage the client to be mm -hmm. themselves. But there's this way that you're describing it. There, you don't want to set it up that you can't make the distinctions and help them understand themselves. Absolutely. Very Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you want to really early on kind of hold your piece of the floor. Mm. You know, you want to have this, you know, you want to convey to the client that, hey, this is not consulting. You're used to consulting. Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're used to going in and having a medical consultation, you know, where, you know, you hear about your blood lipid levels and you hear about what you need to do because of that. And that's great. You need that information. Mm -hmm. But what we're going to be doing is helping. I'm going to be facilitating your exploration of this. Mm -hmm. And to do that. I want to give you my perspective. Um, I want to give you my observations mm -hmm. of what I'm seeing happen. Oh, do you notice that each time you talk about um, doing anything really around self-care, you use the word indulgent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, see, people aren't going to catch that. But if I can notice that, observe it, feed it back to the client, then they start to realize, yeah, you know, I really give myself a hard time about that. They can start doing something with it. Actually, what I noticed you just did was what I think of as framing, right? Mm -hmm. Or 
you know, there's a way in which you, what I just heard what you would say to a client as this is what I'm here to do. Yeah. Right? And, and, yeah. and that actually you set up for the client that's setting what you want to see happen so that they know that um, the, how your relationship is going to work. Right. That seems to be very important to the process. It's something that we get a skill we gain over time, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's a once it goes back to the idea of watching yourself do it and see how that yeah. works. Well, you know, I, I think the, the message here for coaches is you don't have to have content expertise in wellness areas. Mm-hmm. You have to be a really good coach. Mm-hmm. And a coach by the very nature of it, we're going to be very client centered mm-hmm. and we're going to be putting it back to the client for them to do the work. Mm-hmm. And if a medical question comes up, we're going to be referring them to go to their medical treatment team for help with that. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to have content expertise to the level that a consultant does where we need to know what to recommend and we need to know all these these things or you know uh, a medical person has to have treatment level of knowledge about something right yeah but we do know that our skill is in what you see you keep referring to it as coaching our skill Mm -hmm. is into into that interpersonal dynamic which we're helping the client understand themselves yeah pointing out things they can't see increasing awareness increasing awareness that that's the name of the game uh, my own background, you know, was v- I had very heavy training in uh, Gestalt therapy uh-huh. and Gestalt is all about awareness mm-hmm. and a really simple, great coaching uh, line is to just keep bringing things to people's awareness. Are you aware that? Are you aware? What are you aware of right now? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. curious about how you see the, so because we're, 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 you describe behavior change as a goal here, mm-hmm. but a, Awareness is sort of is key to that or related to behavior change. So, yeah, well, you know, it's a combination. You know, you, um, one, a couple things here. One is having really good coaching structure. Mm-hmm. All right, a, a real wellness plan, a real well, uh, well thought out way to co-create that with a client and execute it. But what? really is I think the the value of the live in-person coach compared to the robo coach Mm -hmm. is robo coaches can't do a damn thing to help you with internal and external barriers. Mm -hmm. And that's where awareness increasing. That's where the interpersonal skill of coaching really, really comes to the, Mm -hmm. to the forefront and shines. So, so, so in order to, to support and motivate behavioral change, often one, one of the things you're describing, the coach is, is observing when barriers show up, mm-hmm. and actually ask you to become aware of it, and then offering uh, a client the opportunity to work with how they might shift their relationship with those barriers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I invite them to gain different perspective, you know, the perspective coaching kind of thing that we talk about, uh, you know, helping them to experiment, you know, create experiments. Right. Well, that, no, that's a, one of it. So creating experiments then becomes the, uh, let's consider what do we, what would it be like if we did it this way or how would it feel to try right. it? But it's an offer. It's, it's not saying do this. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of it too is, uh, again, it's that fine line between, okay, I, I kind of have in my mind what this client needs to do. And you know what? I'm probably right. 
but, but <laughs> and I'm often proven to be right later on. But mm -hmm. if I can keep it client-centered enough and help them come to that awareness, mm -hmm. and it becomes their idea. I always say people like their own ideas better than they like mine. Mm -hmm. And now I can support them in that. Mm -hmm. That usually translates into real change. Yeah, and, well, and then key to that in my mind is recognizing that their speed and tempo may be vastly different than what we want to see happen or what we oh, imagine. Absolutely. And that's where you, you use the word term yeah. client-centered, client-centric. Right. It's, well, what is their right tempo? Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think especially for some of the business executive coaches that are making the transition into wellness and health coaching, they've got to really be aware of that. Because somebody that's stuck and has been struggling with smoking cessation or weight loss for the last 20, 30 years, they're not going to want to just jump in there with both feet and put the pedal to the metal the way some high power executive wants to improve their bottom line. Mm -hmm. Very different world. Right. And so that's where it really takes learning. And that's where there is a field of wellness. And I, I mm -hmm. want to take a couple minutes to just to, yeah. to, to explore certified wellness practitioner. It's a there's, it's a whole positive view of health and the way mm -hmm. we support healing. So, 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 so tell me about that. You know, what is a certified wellness practitioner? And, and, and yeah, and wellness. you bet. Well, that's that uh, particular credential is from the National Wellness Institute. Mm -hmm. And I've been involved with them for many, many years. They're really the leading uh, wellness institute organization out there. Um, I'm one of their board members now. And uh, uh, what really is important for wellness coaches, health coaches, and I pretty much call them all the same thing, is... Uh, to make use of all this fabulous information we have from the entire field of health promotion and wellness. Mm -hmm. You know, health promotion is a profession uh, that's been around for a long time. People have been getting degrees in it for years. You know, if you go to the National Wellness Conference, you go to the Art and Science Health Promotion Conference, uh, there's a tremendous resource of information about lifestyle, uh, population health, uh, all this kind of thing and how, how it can be of value to our individual clients or our clients that we work with in groups. Mm -hmm. And I think we've got to keep this wellness perspective that wellness is not just the absence of illness mm -hmm. and it's not just health risk reduction. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it was really quite mind-blowing a few couple of years ago at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine Conference when, when Dee Eddington, uh, the very, very famous um, you know, health promotion expert, the former director of the <clears throat> University of Michigan Health Behavior Research Center, where they delivered 11 million HRAs, health risk assessments, mm -hmm. wow. stood up in front of the entire crowd <clears throat> and said, 11 million HRAs delivered, I wish I could take them all back. Mm. He pretty much said that a health risk reduction only approach doesn't get the job done. Mm. That wellness is about being well. It's about everything we're learning from positive psychology, mm -hmm. which is fabulous because it's giving us, you know, research evidence that says, hey, you know what? All this stuff these coaches have been doing is right on. <laughs> this strength-based positive psychology approach really works. 
And all this stuff that these people in this wellness field have been talking about is really in the most effective direction. You pretty much can't convince or persuade anybody to be well. You can't even just scare them into being well and have it last. No. So you're describing, so there are techniques then. I mean, there's actual, yeah. you know, so right. it's not just, you know, negative. I mean, what you say, you can't scare them, but mm -hmm. you can offer them something. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and these are practices. So, I mean, you know, so it's, it's just, a, let's get concrete for a second, a uh -huh. wellness practice or something that we know, and this may be obvious, but I just want to name it. So we get really sure. What does yeah. it do for, to support wellness? Well, you know, uh, one of the things that we do in coaching a lot that fits in with this perfectly, and, and we make really tremendous use of it, is helping someone create a vision of their life that is the best life possible, what we call well life vision. Mm -hmm. And what this does is it provides a motivational foundation that pulls them forward. Mm -hmm. Instead of just running away from the Grim Reaper, they're actually going towards something. Mm -hmm. They're running toward health and wellness well, and, and the life they want. Yeah. So what I hear is then the, the just, the just an activity in which I take the time to really, what do I mm -hmm. want what my life to look yeah. like? How can I envision my wellness is a great, that's a, it's what I asked for. That's an yeah. action. <laughs> well, you know, it starts out with a laundry list of, well, you know, I want some of this and some of that and less of this and more of this and all that kind of thing. But what I encourage people to do is really, if you can, either get it down into one or two sentences or even better, it, get a scene from a movie type of image in your head. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a perfect example. I worked with a woman who was a policewoman in, uh, in Denver, and she needed to lose 100 pounds. Uh, she had gone from the streets into the office and, you know, was sedentary, put on the weight. She was a single mom. And when she was growing up out there in Colorado, her favorite thing in the world was to go hiking in the mountains. Mm -hmm. But she had two little girls, and she had never taken them hiking in the mountains. Mm -hmm. When you're 100 pounds overweight, and you start out at the mile high city, 5,000 and some feet elevation, and you go to a trailhead that probably starts at eight, nine, or 10,000 feet and goes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should you even be there, you know? <laughs> so her vision in her mind that would motivate her to get out and walk two extra miles when she came home from work tired was mm -hmm. seeing her little girls running down a forest trail in front of her with the sunlight coming through the aspen leaves and hearing the little girls giggle and have fun. And she would think of that and it would motivate her to get out and do the extra steps. Right. That's a wonderful image because it also brings back her own memories of her yeah. own joy and wanting to share that. So, so, we, so what you described is creating a well-life vision and then getting it down into a sentence or an image or something mm -hmm. that you can return to and that you can regularly right. bring up but, and then you they said, because that's the motivation. I need that internal. It's exactly. not what am I going to do? It's how, how am I motivated to keep doing that? So in coaching, we really translate that into the way we work with what's called goal setting. Mm -hmm. I don't even hardly use the term goal setting mm -hmm. because the goals are kind of just part of the bigger wellness plan. Mm -hmm. Goal setting isn't just goal setting. There's, mm -hmm your overall plan, there's the areas you want to focus on, there's goals that you have in each area, and very importantly, there's action steps that achieve those goals. Mm -hmm. 
And all too often coaches don't think in terms of action steps. They just say, well, what are your goals for the week? Well, my goal is to walk five miles. Well, is that a goal? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that an achievement? What, what the heck does that do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, it, it's yeah. an action step to get you to your goal. Well, so what that often does is it turns it into an outcome, whether you achieved or not. So it's, it's perceived yeah. as accountability. And what I hear, I'm hearing you say is an action step is, well, how are you going to get there? Yeah, you know, What exactly. are the steps are going to be, are you yeah. going to take, which right. would be something as simple as putting up on your mirror in the morning saying, have you exercised today? Mm-hmm. That's the action step. Right. <laughs> One right. version of it. I'm not saying yeah. everyone should do it, but actually I, I hear clients say that. Oh, breaking it down into really small things like that mm-hmm. actually gets it done. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. that Kai, Kaizen approach, which I'm very fond of. Mm-hmm. And then, and I also see that as 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 a you know little victories or yeah. little steps add up really really well. Right? Oh yeah, and using acknowledgement. I mean, that that's something coaches uh, have to continually be aware of. Acknowledge mm-hmm. every little bit of progress, every every positive step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess what that brings up for me is acknowledge it for the client and, and help them acknowledge it in themselves. Oh, absolutely, and, and acknowledge uh, what you did but also acknowledge the aspect of your character that showed up to help you do it. Mm-hmm. That's a really important thing. I want to really acknowledge you for the courage it took mm-hmm. to talk to your boss about limiting your hours. Mm-hmm. really want to acknowledge you for the sensitivity you showed in this situation or the, you know, whatever it might be. That's just as important as the action. Again, I see. So you, 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 you're shifting away from the behavior and talking much more about the whole person who mm-hmm. shows up in the behavior, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good. That's, it helps the client be more full, present in their changes. And you know, right. they want to they want to lose weight or they want to run yeah. or whatever it is. But they say yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, I love to say that uh, really good coach training gets behavioral about being holistic because mm-hmm. you really have to have that blend. Mm-hmm. You have to work with a whole person. You have to have that very holistic approach, but you got to put legs under it. You got to have some concrete steps, accountability. Uh, you got to really face the barriers and having a great ally that you trust to work on those with you. That's why this stuff works. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. So, so now you're talking about it. So the training then, it also it sounds like your training has a component that, that encourages that ally making. Oh, building the alliance. Cool. Building alliances. So yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit in terms of how, how, how the, your training builds alliances, but how do you take that on? How do you keep it Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I'd love to say that one of our tasks is to help help our clients learn how to be clients. Mm-hmm. They already know how to be patients. They already know how to be students. You know, they already know how to be the person on the receiving end of a consultation. But mm-hmm. they, they need training, really, in mm-hmm. how to be a client. That mm-hmm. we're going to have an alliance here. I'm going to facilitate your work. Mm-hmm. And what coaches need to be able to do is they need to be able to say to a client, what I will do, what I do offer, not just what I won't do. Mm-hmm. I find that stating the client to the client, the wellness coaching value proposition, 
is really important. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, for example, a lot of coaches can say to people, well, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you how to eat. I'm not going to tell you how to exercise. You're going to create a wellness plan and I'm just going to, you know, kind of tag along and help you out a little bit with this. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound like anything worth paying for. <laughs> no, it's, it's really so. So and this is this this connects back to this idea of wellness, you know, and wellness right. coaching. It's there. The, so there's a wellness prop proposition I, I can offer you. Right. And it's interesting because you said, well, I'm not a, I don't have to master all these medical skills, but by learning wellness technique. Mm -hmm. And it's a holistic perspective on change, being a change agent as a coach. Right. Well, you know, and um, back to the, the wellness and health promotion field, it, it's, it's making use of the knowledge we have there. For example, a huge area of knowledge that we have from health promotion is about peer health norms. Mm -hmm. And if you study that and learn more about it, you realize how powerful that is. I mm -hmm. always say that uh, two things will derail the best wellness plan. One is if you won't give yourself permission to do it. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's about self-care type stuff. People mm -hmm. have trouble with that. The other is if you think you've got to choose between your friends and family or your wellness plan. Mm -hmm. Wellness plan is going to lose. Right. Mm -hmm. So peer health norms can either support you or work against you, make it more difficult. And mm -hmm. we see this all the time. Mm -hmm. So there's strategies for gaining support, building support, doing something we call coaching for connectedness. Mm -hmm. We're so constantly you, asking that. Well, no, so, so, what I, so this goes back to your action steps. So mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. just like, okay, go home and tell everyone I'm gonna become a marathon runner. Yeah. You're saying actually this yeah. is where the coaching comes in, is examining relationships and seeing where, what mm -hmm. actually you just described internal and external boundaries as well. Right, right, right. And, and discovering where the boundaries are mm -hmm. and then supporting the client at approaching one of these boundaries to see if they can change it. Exactly. Way. In fact, uh, one of the things we really emphasize is asking, okay, who can support you in, you know, this goal that you're shooting for. Mm -hmm. And if the person really doesn't have much in the way of support, mm -hmm. do we need to work with them on giving themselves permission to ask for help? Is mm -hmm. that it? Or do they actually need to construct a support team that's really not exist non-existent right now? Mm -hmm. And what we may do is make that an area of focus that they're working on and make it a conscious effort, a conscious campaign as part of their wellness plan to gain the support they need, to expand their friendship circles, to get more social, to find other sources of support, mm -hmm. and to really strategize about ways to do that that are going to guarantee more success. Right. This is really, you know, it's actually fascinating that you ended up here because we know from, you know, medicine that, that peers and family and friends mm -hmm. have a huge impact or a huge determinant Absolutely. on our long-term health. Right. You're saying rather than focus on, are you going to succeed at behavior, you're, you're describing here is, is the system that you're in mm -hmm. supporting you right. at moving toward your goal? Right. Mm -hmm. And then you also now to describe how is that you have to ask or, yeah, it doesn't exist. You got to go create it. Yeah. Right? Consciously. 
some work, right? Yeah. And that's a, yeah. I think that's a big piece. I mean, that's actually one yeah. of the reasons why programs like Weight Watchers actually works well for mm-hmm. people. You yeah. know, or AA works well. The social structure is very necessary for lots of people, but that doesn't mean you have to send them off to that. It's what's mm-hmm. the right one. Yes. What's the right combination for that person? You know, not everybody's a joiner. Not everybody wants to join some kind of club or organization, but nobody does well as a lone stranger, right? <laughs> um, you know, social isolation is a huge health risk. What do, they, what do they say? It's about equivalent to two packs of cigarettes a day, things like that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, it's interesting because I was thinking the opposite's true too. Oftentimes, I see that 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 uh, you know adults who are not ha- getting their exercise, uh, their fitness, often if they can join a team or join mm-hmm. a, a dragon yeah. thing or an adult softball, oh, yeah. actually discover that they get their exercise because right. the social structure supports them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Again, that's that's where we're, we're you know wonderful thing about coaching is how. We really do individualize. See, we're not prescribing a wellness program. You know, that's wellness, but it's not wellness coaching. You know, a prepackaged how to be well program, you know, is not really coach approach. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that one person is going to find uh, being part of a co-ed softball team is the best thing in the world that ever happened to them. Mm-hmm. And somebody else is going to say, you know what? I love to go running because it's my alone time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And, and actually, that's, you know, some people doing a marathon as a goal, you know, in a short, mm-hmm. you know, doing that, I'm going to run a marathon is the perfect solution to them because then it's a very fixed. Yeah, uh, but, you know, th- there's a distinction between a goal like that and mm-hmm. a well-life vision. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how so? Well, the, the mar- what happens the day after the marathon? <laughs> Do you just find another marathon to run? Mm-hmm. Or is running marathons and being able to run marathons just part of this best life possible for you? Right. Th- that nice. you're really clear about. Nice, nice. And yes, yeah, so this is where this this is where wellness plan comes in into holding right. that context. So exactly. the coach is holding the context versus just being are you gonna succeed at a goal. Exactly. You were talking about goals. Yeah. Oh, it's not goals, it's a what's your vision? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, and you know, the thing about wellness is a lot of it is horribly mundane. <laughs> I, I, I wrote a blog, my current blog is a thousand pots of brown rice, <laughs> okay? Because to me, a lot of wellness is finding the intrinsic motivation that keeps you going and liking the practice of being well because, you know, a lot of it is like a musician practicing the scales, it's not particularly thrilling, but you do it on a regular basis and you're a better musician. You know, if I eat well, if I, you know, continue my, you know, walk around the block or whatever I do, I'm able then to be healthy and well enough to do extraordinary things, mm-hmm. to do things that I wouldn't be able to do otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, to live more the life I really want to live. That's the other thing, you know, people see the thing with health and wellness coaching, we're working on helping people transform their lives mm-hmm. and be a different person for the rest of their entire life. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. I mean, that, that's a big deal. The other thing is we're only going to be around that long in someone's life. Mm-hmm. 
we've got to help them find a new direction and way of living that's going to be totally sustainable mm -hmm. and keep them on a healthy path that mm -hmm. works for them. Well, and that's actually a key point. So it's really is the, that's why I look at the title of your book, Wellness Coaching for Lasting Lifestyle Change. Yeah. It's like your intervention is yeah. not just, well, here's what you need to do. It's right. how do I build it so that they're going to sustain it without me. Exactly. Exactly. I, I like to joke and say, uh, I didn't write a book called Wellness Coaching for Temporary Lifestyle Change. Uh, we, we do too much of that as it is, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so but, the, but that assumes that, that, you know, it's a journey. And so there, you know, as you find yourself, it's a little bit like the marathon. Well, what happens after the marathon? Mm -hmm. What happens after I get over this particular mountain and I've lost the weight? Well, right. what do I want to see continue to happen and what yeah. you know, else is going to come in? So I, I'm learning skill. I'm developing skills. Or you're working with the clients to develop those kind of skills. Exactly. Doesn't mean they don't come back. I mean, you find clients come back and work with you again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. because sure. you said that they learn how to be a client. There's a point where if you're successful, uh, the client then goes off. You're, they've got what they've got. And then they come point, they go, you know what? I need to go back and work with the coach again. Yeah. You know, just well, yeah, know. I mean, absolutely. You know, here, here's, here's the other part of that. If you look at most people who have struggled at being healthy and well, the, I really believe the majority of them know how to change mm -hmm. and know how to be successful at lifestyle change. What usually throws them off is a stressful event in their life. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they're back to the old default setting. Mm -hmm. They're back to the comfort food. They're back to being, you know, I don't have time to do all these healthy, well things. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at the stress thrivers research, that's uh, back with uh, bank of American AT&T and Kenneth Pelletier, mm -hmm. people that did well, maintained their wellness, practices. The people that got ill, they were the ones that let them go. Mm. So usually what happens is something like that occurs. That's where we have to build in resilience, have a backup plan. If I can't, if I can't do my uh, one hour exercise, my half hour exercise, I'm going to do 10 minutes of exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can't do this, I, I'm going to do this to stick with it. Right. And um, so that's all part of it as well. Right. So, that, yeah, I see that as returning to those healthy habits in the face of the challenges. Right. It's not that I did it every day. It's that, uh, you know, I, I missed the weekend or a big happened, you know, mm -hmm. happened. and then, you know, what? after dust settled, I started to run again. I started to eat better again. I had exactly. Yeah. Uh, Self-compassion, you know, is huge. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that's something that we really have to uh, kind of teach in coaching. Mm -hmm. you know, catch people when they're not being compassionate with themselves. Mm -hmm. So many of our clients are horribly self-critical. Mm. Horribly. Many of all of us are horribly self-critical. Oh, and that's where that's where <laughs> the acknowledgement comes in. That's that's yeah. and yeah. teaching that teaching them to do it themselves. Do three mm -hmm. acknowledgements every day. You know, mm -hmm. that you write down. Mm -hmm. That can be really transformative. Yeah, that's, an, that's, that's another yeah. a, a wonderful practice. Acknowledgements, acknowledging self or forgiveness practice. I just gave somebody one of those practices who yeah. did today. Yeah. A different one, Fred Luskin's work. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of technique out there. Uh, you know, what I hear that, that, that you're describing, you keep coming back to is, a, is an interesting dialectic. So the coach is serving the client by ha being able to give perspective. 
to mm -hmm. offer back what they're seeing. And then, of course, for the coach to evolve, they need that type of perspective right. as well, which is often getting more training or having a mentor coach to work with or watching your videos or watching yeah. your video. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Taking, taking it further, you know, um, uh, what's unfortunate is a lot of coaches work in environments where they get in-house training or they get a basic certification training. And then, you know, that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody needs continuing education in every profession and coaching is no exception. Mm -hmm. uh, this stuff is endlessly fascinating. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I've been doing it for all these years and I still, you know, when I get up in front of the room, uh, it's like brand new day because uh, it's so valuable to people. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool when you see students um, just soaking it up because they know this is going to help them do their jobs so much better, so much easier. Yeah. That makes it really fun. Well, it helps them and then that helps others. It's a wonderful way yeah. of being, interacting with people because you're, yeah. you're spreading the, the, the gospel, so to speak, even though it's not a doctrine, it's a, you're, you're, you're facilitating. Yeah. Right, and, and you know, the other thing that goes along with what you were just saying, part of it is, you know, the professional development, but the other is working on your own personal wellness foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, the reality is we've all got to practice what we preach mm -hmm. and we're better off for it personally. Mm -hmm. And we can empathize with our clients better because we know what they've gone through to make changes. We know how tough that is sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, it gives us better credibility and integrity mm -hmm. and we don't have to be perfect. You know, we're, we're all human. We've all got stuff to work on. Um, but if we can convey to our clients that, hey, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not on the cover of Fit Magazine. But you know what? I do have a wellness plan. Mm -hmm. I do practice this. I am living my life consciously in mm -hmm. ways that enhance my health. Yeah, that's one of the, actually, for me, that's one of the, fa the, the, the lovely, fascinating parts of working with clients is that it offers me and the opportunity to, well, maybe I should try that. Or we oh, just, yeah. The forgiveness practice or what you just said, it's right down three acknowledgments. stands like, huh, maybe I'll do that for the next week or two. And uh -huh. see what happens. So you yeah. know, having this conversation to me has given me that gift. It's like, I like that. I'm going to try that. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah, so, and write it. Write it down. Just don't just think them. <laughs> well, no, I think write it down is a really important point, and let's let's yeah. focus on that. It's like it, we often it, people get lazy with the write it down, and mm -hmm. the write it down is the way to make it really concrete. Oh, yeah, you know the acknowledgments. The the other part about writing it down, that's all part of that wellness plan, accountability, part of coaching, but especially part of health and wellness coaching is self monitoring. Mm. Mm -hmm. And self-monitoring has a ton of literature behind it that says the people that do are the ones that succeed at making these lifestyle changes and making them last. Mm -hmm. The people that count calories, the people that count steps, you know, all of that. Yeah. And there's so many ways to, you know, log all that in, to keep track of things. Uh, and you got to do something that fits for your client. You know, if, if they're tech savvy, there's a million apps. If they're not, a simple wall calendar with an X and an O on it for when I did it and when I didn't do it, you know, but you avoid self-deception mm -hmm. by tracking. Yeah. Actually, thank you for pointing it out because it, sometimes it feels like it's this burden, oh, why do I write it down? But it really does allow you to see 
mm-hmm. progress, yeah. and what you said, it avoids self-deception. I, right. I just have to point out that iPhones have step counters built into them. <laughs> so it really is as easy. I mean, I, I would say yeah. you know, they don't require it, everybody, but it's the easiest move just to start to look at your step counter and have clients discover, wow, I really only do a thousand steps a day or two thousand, or see when they're weak oh. feeling, and be able to say, well, what, what, yeah. what, what let's make it a target. I mean, mm-hmm. ten thousand is a, is a, is a nice target, but for a lot of clients, it's let me get five thousand and starting yeah. to see that. Well, you know, part part of it is starting out with something so easy they can't they can't deny that they can do it, <laughs> and then you build and build and build. Mm-hmm. So that's so, but that's a really important point. So so so, you're writing it down is key, and being able to just have that accountability to yourself, right? right? Notice that there's a resistance to that, uh, that writing it down often in clients and, you know, and, and mm-hmm. interesting to watch coaches also feel like when the client says, well, I really can't do that to just sort of, you know, to accept that versus to sort of challenge, mm-hmm. well, what's the barrier there? Like, what, mm-hmm. what is the challenge here? Or, or, or to just get at, well, what could you do? Yeah, what could you, you know, do? Or, you know, the, the great retort is, so tell me how you'll know when you're being successful. Mm-hmm. That's good. That question usually stops them in their tracks and they say, well, uh, I guess I got to write it down or else I'm just BSing myself. No, that's that's actually really, you know, for, you know, I personally find that when people are able to, I ask people to articulate quite a bit and they easily, it's like rocket fuel, that process. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, I appreciate what you just said. What can you do? That is that is an important move as well to, you know, well, figure out what it is mm-hmm. that's going to work. But I, I love that. Tell me how I'll know that you're successful. How, how you'll know when yeah. you're being successful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And see, that, that gets us right back to all the good stuff that, you know, all the researchers and all the evidence-based folks are, are looking for. And that's measurable, you know, accountable. Uh, it's something we can actually keep track of. We can actually quantify. What are the uh, indicators of success that you're shooting for? Mm-hmm. You know, instead of get more sleep, well, what the heck does that mean? It's how many, how much, how many hours, how many nights a week would you think would be a huge improvement for you? What, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. And then you, then you have real targets to shoot for. Right. Then you have quantity that you can keep track of. And then you have, which we talked about earlier, and what are the action steps? How are you going to get there? Yeah. Right? yeah. So yeah. I've seen, yeah. you know, like, you know, no screens an hour before I go to bed or, at light, you know, I stop uh-huh. at the clock or whatever the action step is. Exactly. You break it down and then look at what's working, what isn't working. And if it's not working, we change, mm-hmm. you know. So they become experiments. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. This has been, you know, it, it really is, it's interesting. It, it sounds simple, but it's also, it's all happening simultaneously. And you're describing, uh, you know, mature coaching and how this is something that we practice. That mm-hmm. you work with coaches to develop the art, to improve the art. You've been doing this for many years and still learning all the time and love, you know, re, you know talking about oh, yeah. Is there, a, can I ask about the, you know, somewhere you have one, you have these books, but there's a new book lurking around somewhere. Oh, oh it's, it, it's, <laughs> it's not lurking. It's, uh, it's coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's uh, pretty much the title of our talk here today. Uh, I don't I don't have a precise title yet. My publisher and I have to figure that out. But uh, mm -hmm. it is about advancing the craft of mm -hmm. wellness and health coaching. Mm -hmm. To me, it is is you know we got to have the theoretical foundation so we can think on our feet. We got to have the evidence that tells us what, whether we're you know being successful or not, whether we're wasting our time on stuff that doesn't matter or whether we're using effective tools. But we've also got to really look at the craft of how we're doing it. Mm. It comes down to me saying, would that be a value to you to do that? Instead of, uh, I want you to, you know, it comes down to things like that. It comes down to how we coach. It comes down to the mindset that we have that says to ourselves, Hey, you know what? My job here is not to ask a powerful question that makes me look good. My job here is to construct a question, to compose a question for my client to ask themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that kind of craft that mm -hmm. I think separates the, well, you know, that was okay from the, wow, I'm a whole new person now, transformative kind of experiences mm -hmm. people can have with a really good coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it makes a difference. And so where we are all always learning, it's nice to, to to see you model. You've been learning and you've learned the craft and now you're 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 gonna keep mm -hmm. us. I look forward to 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 reading this book as it emerges. It should be yeah. it's it's gonna be out soon. And I mean I keep reading these, but actually I got your book in order to have this conversation because mm -hmm. I wanted to see what your your earlier teachings were and you know, there's really, you know, there's, there's, it's something that I keep studying and I hope that our You're listeners right. Absolutely. continue to practice and advance their craft. And particularly, you know, what, what I hear from our conversation that we've talked talk to is about having a clear structure, mm -hmm. right, in the coaching process, having that be, uh, you know, include a wellness plan that is very mm -hmm. much about the vision of how the, what the client sees, uh, be able to take action steps. Mm-hmm. You know, versus just, you know, having just a goal, actually really understanding how peers and our support group, you know, who are key to that. So that's a, I think that's actually for me, just listening to you talk about that, that's something that we often overlook. We pay a lot of attention to what behaviors do I need to get our goals versus how is my life structured? Yeah. Who could help me with this? And that's a big move to ask people to go really ask for help. Oh, yeah. You know, and, oh, yeah. And it takes, you know, you don't just do it overnight. It's like, well, what's the first step? Right. Steps, right. And, you know, there's the whole field of wellness, which is something that's readily available for, for anyone to go find out. There's two big organizations, mm -hmm. conferences, so you can mm -hmm. tools. And then, of course, there's always, uh, you know, continuing to, to, to take care of yourself. You did get back right. to that. Yeah. Uh, be the change and be the model. And that's something that you've been doing. And I, I'm sure our listeners are doing it. And that models for their clients that this is important to me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like we've got lots of nuggets here. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and you're very, and you're very good at the active listening skill of summarization. <laughs> <laughs> good. That would help everybody, you know, just, oh, you yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, there, there, there's so much to it, you know. There and there's lots of really cool advanced topics, you know. That 
it, it seldom, you know, do you have time in a basic training to, to even cover, you know, like uh, what about a use of self-disclosure, mm. uh, mm. avoiding collusion, uh, mm. you know, all, there's lots of cool topics to uh, uh, get into deeper, to explore. And, mm. you know, I think um, uh, to me, coaching is not just learning 25 behavior change theories and a bunch of skills. Uh, it really is, how do you integrate it all? How do you really combine it and make use of all that, but have a, have a way where it becomes so natural for you that, you know, you, you've, you've kind of mastered it. You know, you're, you're not just struggling with the scales and trying to remember all these darn theories. You're out there playing jazz because you can hit any note you want anytime it's it's there for you because you practice so much you know and you've also found out what works for you and what doesn't work for you you've gotten comfortable with how directive or non-directive you want to be and how you adjust that with each client you know and at that point you know you're more of a master coach and i think a lot of folks uh instead of just Oh, you know, I work for a disease management company or an insurance company, and I, I see a ridiculous number of clients every day, and I just follow the protocol. Wouldn't it be nice to take it well beyond that mm-hmm. and become masterful? Mm. That's a lovely image, and it's a wonderful vision for health coaching, and it's really laying out the opportunity for the field and for individuals to take it to that place where they're really being fulfilled by this powerful powerful profession. Mm-hmm. Michael, thank you for taking the time. I, I just, I, I really, you, your language is eloquent and your experience is vast. And so mm-hmm. I really can hear how, you know, we can yeah. talk about it and people can listen, but in the end, you, you know, we're encouraging people to, to get yeah. in there in relationships with coaches, in classes, mm-hmm. to, to really any of those co- topics that you just gave are the kind of thing you'd want to work with. Exactly. Wanna, you know, okay, yeah. now let's put into partners and talk about it. Now let's share, let's build out so that we can mm-hmm. grow. It's not just the knowing, it's the right. experience of it. And that's clearly what your, your, your training, you know, your trainings incorporate that. I mean, you said early on, that's most of it. I mean, it's like at least half of it that, that this is going on. And so we can keep talking, but it's been wonderful for you to take <laughs> time. It's a fabulous conversation. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for, yeah. for taking the time to be here today. Oh, hey, it has really been my pleasure. You're great to talk to. And, you know, uh, I'm just, you know, I guess perpetually passionate about this field. I'm excited about where it's going. Uh, I'm thrilled that we're setting up standards and credentials that are really solid for it. Um, You know, it's a bright, bright future for it. Thank you. Yeah, you just you, you've just mentioned there is a that, that we're going to keep coming back to it in different conversations, mm-hmm. the national standards that are going to be set up. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to go there. But it's really nice to know that you're actively part of that as well. Yeah, yeah. So Definitely. our listeners will get a chance to hear about that in a different conversation. Anyway, Excellent. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Marco. Michael, it's been a, it's nice to talk. wonderful. My pleasure. Mm-hmm.